Welcome to That's Good Sports. I am Brandon. Happy birthday, Mom Perna. That's right, it's my mom's birthday today, and we will all be celebrating via FaceTime. Well, not all of us, just me and my family. She specifically said not to invite any of you or to give out her phone number on this show again. So I must abide by those wishes. Regardless, happy birthday, Mom. I love you and thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the freedom to make my own choices. No matter how stupid they were, like the one to become a YouTuber. Thank you for always believing in me. That was smart. Anyway, we have some mild NFL news today. Tomorrow will be the free agency losers episode. I promise I'm getting to that. The question, though, that has been bothering me is, what does a wolf eat in isolation? After I told him I was going to eat his kids, he never said another word. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, that's right. The children of the river. Derek Wolf is leaving the Denver Broncos for the Baltimore Ravens. That's the bad news. The good news is the Ravens do play the Colts this season, so Baltimore fans may be treated to another threat of cannibalism by one of my all-time favorite Broncos and Derek Wolf. Today we'll discuss that, the Broncos re-signing of Shelby Harris, Cam Newton's not-safe-for-work video, and I will give you hope. Hope for a terrible season by one Thomas Bradyeth in Tampa Bay. That's good sports. This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good. Start off with the serious news. Uh, Tony Baselli, Hall of Fame lineman in Jacksonville Jaguars, first ever draft pick was in the ICU due to contracting the coronavirus. He's reportedly doing better now, and Saints head coach Sean Payton has been cleared after contracting the virus. Uh, I think this is a pretty good example of the sharp contrast this crazy thing can have on anyone it infects. Now again, for my sanity, I'm trying to just focus on dumb jokes and football news here, hoping that provides a momentary escape for anyone worried about this shit. Uh, I hope all of you are being smart and staying safe and healthy right now. I don't want this to be the focus of the show, but it's going to make a presence uh, more and more as many of us get directly affected by it. Uh, So to get you to stop thinking about COVID-19, let me scar your brain with Cam Newton's ass butt. Cam Newton posted this video to Instagram. He can finally add shortest shorts ever worn by an NFL player to his list of achievements. I'm bad at, yeah, I'll let. You believe that if you want to. All I know is work. He's addressing the haters and then literally revealing his ass cheeks, presumably for them to kiss. I've seen more clothing on people's faces at the grocery store than Cam Newton had on his lower body. Knowing teams have to conduct interviews via FaceTime, or in Cam's case, ass time, this makes sense. Teams want to be thorough, and I applaud Cam for taking the initiative here and being ready for a virtual colonoscopy. That's really what the third lens on the iPhone 11 was for. Now we get to see it in action, baby. The other big free agent quarterback, Jameis Winston, is out there posting training videos of himself as well. I really have no idea how either of these videos will help Winston or Cam Newton convince an NFL team to hire them. But if you had nearly nude Cam Newton doing whatever this is that Winston is doing, 
you might have the highest viewed bondage film on the internet by week's end. Tie me up in some short shorts and let three men attack my balls when bondage meets scrimmage. Presented by Cam Newton and James Winston. More shocking than Cam Newton's buttocks crack is the fact that Bill Belichick has been nominated for an Emmy. Yes, give the guy with eight Super Bowl rings another fucking award. 1,300 episodes of this show and not even a nod for a Webby. But Belichick showcases a few momentary glimpses of human emotion and now he should be awarded with a, 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 a TV award? Oh, he has a vocabulary too, Brandon. Yeah, I, mean, I think he defines an NFL receiver or what's the situation. First and 10, fourth and goals, you know. I mean, he gets an Emmy nomination after one beat-off joke. It's all on the quarterback yeah. to beat it and get it off. I've never made it through a single episode without a beat-off joke. That's okay. An Emmy is about as meaningful as a Roni, which will go to whoever provides the best coronavirus coverage during this global crisis. Now, Tom Pellicero tweeted some clarity in regard to the procedure NFL teams will be taking to interview and evaluate college talent. Procedural clarity, yes, that is why you come to watch this show. Again, ask, I mean, FaceTime is being used to interview players like Justin Herbert, who had a video call with the Raiders and Chargers so far, uh, but the FaceTime rules are as follows. Each call slash FaceTime session is capped at one hour. Uh, Bill Belichick, of course, is limited to five minutes, as that feels like an hour when you talk to him. And saying, no, 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 you hang up. No, 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 you hang up first. Will be counted towards the one hour. Pete Carroll. No more than three calls in a week for one club with one player. This is to avoid looking like a clinger. Uh, we're looking at you, John Gruden. We get it. You like football guys. You love football dudes. You want to be a football bro for life. But no more than three calls, John. All calls must be reported to the NFL's player personnel department, except for Bill O'Brien, who cannot get a single college prospect to pick up any of his calls. In fact, if a team tries to break the rule and call more than three times, the fourth call and all those after just show up as incoming call from the Houston Texans. That's right, Bill. You're the new king shit, king dip, 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 dip shit. You're new king dip shit. An interesting stat that I have never hoped to be more true than this one is that Pro Football Focus tweeted out, Jameis Winston, Carson Palmer, and Andrew Luck all had the most turnover-worthy plays in their first season with Bruce Arians. Do I know what turnover-worthy means or why the hell they all scored a negative 40? No, what I do know is that Andrew Luck threw 18 picks in 2012, Palmer threw 22 picks, and Winston, of course, threw 30 last year in their first season with Bruce Arians, which means we may have the best chance to date to see Tom Brady throw 20 interceptions in a season. That is hope. That is real hope we can hold on to in our hearts to get us through this tough, tough time. Now, Arian's offense is predicated on pushing the ball down the field and taking chances, which is exactly what Tom Brady has avoided since roughly 2009 or whenever they decided to trade Randy Moss for an actual bag of moss in New England. ESPN will be airing some of the best Monday night football games through the next five weeks. Uh, which Monday night game would you want to see them air? 
I'm sure they're going to hit LA versus Montana in that 1994 Monday night game that the Broncos lost, or Vinny Testaverde's comeback where he dug the Jets out of a 30-7 hole in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins to get a 40-37 overtime win. Oh, sorry, should I have said spoiler alert there? Uh, they're starting with the Rams' 54-51 win over the Chiefs from 2018, marking the first time in NFL history where both teams scored over 50 points. And Jared Goff learned that if he could play about half as well for the rest of the season, he would make $100 million. But let me know which games you think they should air, because I was trying to think of great Monday night football games, and uh, my my I have no memories of them. I know they exist, I've just... If I'm being honest, I've fucking drank away all my fond football memories. Now, defensive lineman and the man who came between Big Ben and Antonio Brown, Shelby Harris, re-signed with the Broncos on a one-year, $2.5 million deal over the weekend. Harris could make up to $3.25 million on the deal. Now, the whole offseason, Shelby Harris said specifically that he would like to stay with the Denver Broncos, but was not going to take a discount to do so. Turns out his market wasn't as lucrative as he thought, or really as anyone thought. Specifically me, who said he would become the first player to sign a $250 million contract. I was wrong. And he's taking another one-year prove-it deal to prove something that he's been proving since 2017. That he is better than the money he's making. The opposite of what is said about me amongst, uh, some sports professionals. Now the one move that screwed Harris out of millions of dollars was the Indianapolis Colts trading the 13th pick for DeForest Buckner. The Colts were basically ready to sign Harris, presumably closer to what he thought he was worth, and then decided to swing for the fences to get Buckner. It seemed like the Broncos were probably out as well when they traded for Jarrell Casey, but it turned out it was Wolf that they were ready to move on from, and they were shocked to be able to get Shelby Harris back on such a cheap deal. To lose two Harrises in one offseason would have just been too much to handle. And honestly, John Elway is getting a little too old to be finding children for Derek Wolf to consume. After I told him I was going to eat his kids, he never said another word. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. If there is such a thing as a clutch defensive tackle, it's Shelby Harris. In his first regular season game with the Broncos, Harris blocked the Chargers' potential game-tying field goal on the last play of the game against one Young Ho Koo. A year later, Harris picked off Big Ben in the end zone to ice the game against the Steelers. Finally, in the Broncos' most recent game against the Raiders to end 2019, hopefully not the most recent game for too long, though, Harris batted down Derek Carr's pass on a two-point attempt to save Save the game. Find me another defensive lineman with that level of clutchness. If Harris can replicate his play from last season, he will get paid. I think. Either way, Harris had a career-high 49 tackles, 6 sacks, 9 batted passes, and a forced fumble. I guess the question though is, was part of that contract year motivation? Probably. So the solution is to make every year a contract year, which the Broncos have brilliantly figured out. Now we pleaded for Denver to bring either Wolf or Harris back. Uh, both players are important to the Broncos defensive line. It really sucks to see Derek Wolf go, but knowing he's in Baltimore on a great team making up to 6 million does make me happy. 
assuming football will ha- happen, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, Jarrell Casey, Draymond Jones, Demarcus Walker give the Broncos the most depth they've had on the defensive line since the 2015 Super Bowl run. At this point, outside of adding one dynamic wide receiver, the Broncos are heading into the draft with plenty of picks and not any glaring holes on the team right now. That's not true. There is one glaring hole. One in our soul as we watch Chris Harris Jr. play in the Chargers secondary in front of nobody. Sorry, Chris, but if more people are showing up to watch me than the team you took less money to play for, you did it wrong. You did it very wrong, Chris. Thanks for watching another episode of That's Good Sports. Free agency losers will be up tomorrow. 99% positive of that. Make sure you subscribe here on the tubes. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's a fucking shit, but who cares? (laughs) Why, why, why? This is your daily NFL podcast of That's Good Sports. It's football that's good.